we're in the presence of the Lord. I don't know anywhere I'd rather be than in the presence of the Lord. It's the most wonderful thing to have the privilege to serve and worship together with people of like precious faith. And uh, I'm absolutely overwhelmed with emotion. I'm going to try to contain it best I can. But my heart is so full. I look around and see quite a number of friends that I've that I consider to be dear friends that I've known over the years. And uh, I won't begin to start calling names because I'd really be in trouble if I've left one of them out. But uh, I will say that there's one couple here that that blessed my wife and I probably more than they realized at the time, maybe more than they wanted to at the time. But they gave uh, us one of the most wonderful ladies, young ladies, to be our daughter-in-law and uh, bring us our first grandchild. And I want to give honor to Robert and Ruth Robinson for being great parents and being so willing to give to bless our family the way Rhonda and, and her family has blessed us over the years. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you the numbers of ways that they've been such a blessing to us, but thank you, Robert and Ruth, for Rhonda and for what you put into her. And uh, it's a thrill to be here with Brother and Sister O'Connell and their wonderful family and with all of you great people. You don't have to stay standing. You can sit down, and I'll be a whole lot more comfortable if you would do that. But uh, I guess it was 27 years ago on that uh, eventful day he was talking about when he was 10 years old. And uh, now here, 27 years later, I still think they're a wonderful-looking young couple. And it's obvious... <laughs> It's obvious that God did at the time and does at this time have his hand in their lives and working with them, and that doesn't make me a, a, a true prophet just because I said that, but it does make me happy to see the way the Lord has worked in their lives and, and in their family. We had the privilege last night of spending a couple hours with them and getting to know their two wonderful children a little better. Nora's supposed to bring me a picture today. I don't know if she remembered to bring it, but she's supposed to bring me one that she drew herself. And I think she had some kind of contest going on with her dad, and I know she's going to win because I told her I'd be the judge. <laughs> uh, I was so happy to see you honoring your pastor and his wife today. Uh, there's something uh, that comes back to a church when you do that and you do it genuinely and sincerely like you obviously did today and like I know you do all the time. But when God puts things together, uh, isn't it amazing how well it always turns out? And no matter how hard we try, uh, we just can't, we just can't, uh, we can't match up to what God does, even though we may have skills and talents and 
training. We just cannot put together what God puts together. But when he puts it together, it's always producing results, ongoing results, not just today, but for the future. So to the Sanctuary Church congregation that obviously is about to exceed the capacity of this building, I salute you today. Honored to be back. This is a little different than it was in that little garage. Uh, but it, that was a little better than your house. And the drawings that you've put up here before this people today uh, are magnificent drawings. And quite an achievement, I know, without a doubt, when it all comes together, and it will, it'll come together. Quite an achievement. But I have to say this, with what's happening in our world, with what I know is happening and many things I don't know is happening in our world, uh, the day's coming when people are going to run toward a truly apostolic church. And so that building, as big as it seems and as beautiful as it is, should the Lord tarry his coming, will not be big enough to house <clears throat> what he wants to do. I know this is Heritage Sunday. I, I don't see a clock, and I, if I look real closely, I can see what time it is up here. But I don't want to belabor anything, but I feel like the Lord has really moved in my spirit even this morning, Heritage Day is when you normally look back at what's been handed down from generation to generation. <clears throat> and it's a wonderful thing when you look back and see where God has brought you from, and especially when you can trace it down through the pages of Scripture and all the way back to the origin, it doesn't. It didn't begin eight and a half years ago. Uh, it it began long, long, long time before then. But when you can trace your heritage back to the book, and you see that what you are attempting to be today is closely aligned with what you see was the origin, the original then you you know without a doubt you have a heritage to celebrate. And I thought I had that all measured out. I've known for uh, quite some time that, that I was going to be here on this Heritage Sunday. And I'm thankful the Lord allowed that to, to, to uh, come to pass. But this morning when I was uh, awakened, uh, after a good night's rest, the Lord began to deal in my spirit and say that while we must never forget the past, we must look to the future. And so I'm going to attempt to talk to you a little bit today, hopefully preach a little about a message that I know God has given me to preach wherever I have the opportunity. I'm not going to say I haven't preached about it before because I've been preaching about it for a long, long time. 
But I felt so directed today, and I told my wife, I said, I'm so challenged because I thought I had everything all laid out in my mind that I would try to follow, but the Lord has changed that this morning. Is it all right with you if I try to follow what I feel like the Lord has said? Well, if you uh, would like to, uh, I'm sure they can put it on the screen, but I, I'm going to turn to an Old Testament verse found in the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, and the 11th verse. It's a, it's a short but powerful verse. I'm going to read it out of the New, New International Version because the, this version of it is how it came into my spirit. And the King James is worded just a little bit differently, but it certainly says the same thing. So out of the New International Version, I'm going to read. And you can read it with me if you'd like to. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If the Lord will help me for just a few minutes, hopefully before it's lunchtime for you, I'm going to talk to you about God has a plan. Will you just lift your voices and ask God to let his anointing flow because I need it so desperately today. I'm never able within myself, Lord. I only come to try to bring honor to you and to speak what you put in my heart to this beautiful people today. So let your anointing flow and let our hearts be open to what you would say to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Shake hands with somebody and say, thank you for being here today, and then you'll be seated. What an awesome group of young people I see. I, I see some people that uh, are, are maybe up in the chronological stage of life that my wife and I find ourselves in today, but I see a lot of young people in this place, and that's so exciting to me when I see that and see them uh, pushing for a place on the front row to get up here where they can be right close to what's taking place. I know their life mostly is in front of them, while for many of us, we have more behind us than we do in front of us. But what we've observed in our lifetime and what you will observe as you go forward in your lifetime is that we're in a world that's got a lot of strange things happening in it right now, things that I never dreamed I'd, I'd see in my lifetime. And I believe God has us here. I know God has us here at a very strategic time in the history of mankind. Uh, just think about it for a minute with me. The evolution of man's thinking about life in general and about the values of life have been sifted through the ages that leads us up to today. And people have changed their thinking about a lot of things. And people have changed the way they adapt their lives to what has happened. And with every generation, it just seems like uh, there comes a, a philosophy and a mindset that evolves toward a much more humanistic approach to life and less toward 
the plan, the original plan that God had and has for the world. So I can't stress this enough. It is so very important that those of us who are privileged today to make up the church and be a part of the church, uh, that we bring ourselves to the place of renewing and recommitting to remain vigilant, if I can say it like that, and stand uh, with our feet solidly planted on the foundation against the tide of liberalism and humanistic interpretation and focus instead on the original plan that God has for the world in general and for all of us who are part of his church in particular. He's got something that he wants to convey to us. So I have to say this, and, and, and those of you who've lived for God for a long time know this without me saying it, that our relationship with God is the most important relationship we'll ever have in life. And it's of great significance and importance how we allow that relationship to affect our mind, our heart, our body, our spirit, everything about us. So when you look at the history of the church, and I love to, I love to look back and and remind myself that this church started in a blazing, red-hot, outpouring of the Holy Ghost in a revival that, that the world had never seen up to that particular point, uh, followed, as always, it seemed, if you study it, by, by periods of, of persecution that was just uh, of, of great proportions so that when you think about it, if you do think about it, you think, well, I don't know how they made it through that. I don't know how they survived through that and and yet as a result of the persecutions that came there was always seemingly a renewal of the commitment of the people toward God or toward the, the, the people of God made this made this uh, staunch effort to renew their commitment to where God had brought them and that always resulted in a greater outpouring of the Holy Ghost a greater revival I mean Go through the book of Acts and see what happened when they were told they couldn't preach or teach in the name of Jesus. And they said, We're king. We got, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, so we can't preach any other name than the name of Jesus. we got to preach that. And as a result of that, multitudes, multitudes of people came to the Lord because they heard the gospel preached out of a overflow of persecution that had come against the people and 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 that has I, i've lived long enough to see that happen uh, several cycles where challenge and 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 difficulty and pressure would come and oppression would come against the people of god and i have to tell you this if you haven't figured it out already which i'm sure most of you have that right now Right now, there's more oppression against the church than ever you can read about in the history of the church. So, in my humble opinion, uh, as I look back into the scripture, I only find two things Jesus 
told his disciples three things, really, that he told them specifically. Go preach the kingdom of heaven. Uh, go teach and preach, preach and teach and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which we know is the name of Jesus. And he told them to, to preach the gospel. Those three things he told them. He didn't tell them to go out and align yourself with uh, this group or that group or, or uh, any particular group. He said, just go preach the kingdom of heaven, preach the gospel, and, and as you're preaching, teach the people what the Bible says about this apostolic doctrine and help them find a way to obey that. And so it, it's, it's still God's plan to reach every person in the world with the gospel and see them have the opportunity that you and I've had to experience his glory and power in their lives on this earth. And then, my friend, let me tell you something. If you think the Holy Ghost is good here and you think what we've been enjoying in this atmosphere today is good here, wait till we get on the other side when there's no oppression and when we have free freedom to be around the throne of God and worship him in the way he wants us to worship him. So I have to say this because it's true that there always will be challenges and there always will be testings that will come. And uh, you know this personally. When you pledge to do good, you get challenged. When you say, I'm going to do better, uh, somehow worse always pops up in the way. When you, when you move closer to God, you get challenged because the enemy of your soul does not want you to get too close to God. He wants, you to, he wants you to keep your distance from God because he knows if you get close to God, good things are going to happen in your life, good things are going to happen to you, and good things are going to happen through you. So when you approach the heart of God, and that's getting right there where, where you can commune with him and you can sup with him, and I mean you can have communion like you've never known any other communion, just being with him and just being able to sit down with, his, with the word and, and let that word begin to feed you and wash your mind and wash your thinking and, and, and have him come and touch you and your eyes begin to be moistened with tears and they flow down your cheek, not because you're sad, not because you are in pain, but simply because you're in his presence. Yes. But you're going to get challenged when you when you approach the heart of God. When you when you reach for higher heights or deeper depths, you you just mark it down. You're going to get challenged. Paul and Silas, a good example. They 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 set out to do good. They were answering a call of God. Uh, and and when they thought they were obeying God to go where He wanted them to go and to do what He wanted them to do and say what He wanted them to say, there there was immediate challenge. There was a woman that just began to follow along with them, and that's it's strange how that. The, the, the things that are going to challenge you know how to get close to you. But here they were, and they were saying good things. These men are the servants of the Most High God. Nothing wrong with what they were saying. It, it had to be the way they were saying it. It had to be the spirit that was behind them uh, in, in what they were doing. And so uh, as they were answering the call, they ended up, instead uh, of going to the prayer meeting, they ended up being in prison. And, and there they were, thought they were doing good, and, and oh me, how did I get here? Why did, why did I end up in this place? You know, why did I have to be here when all I was trying to do was just answer what God wanted me to do? And, and here we are in prison, and, and they didn't know what to do, but they did know what to do. They thought they didn't know what to do, but when they were in prison, this is, this is a, there's a really good point here. It doesn't matter where you are. If you do what you know to do, God's going to 
He's going to break you out of there. And so they didn't know anything to do but just form a quartet. Didn't have a bass singer. Might not have had a good tenor singer, but they had uh, not like you had here today. You had, you had good singing here today. But there they were, and all they knew was to sing praises to God. So at midnight, the darkest hour, there they are singing praises and magnifying God. And, and so you know, you know that while they were, uh, while they were there, God uh, sent an earthquake, you know, just a little shaking. He can send a little shaking or a big shaking, you know, it depends on what the need is. But he sent a little earthquake, and it set all the captives free. And, and, and the authorities or the people in power in that day thought, oh, my goodness, all the prisoners are going free. But had they not been in jail, had they not been in prison, there wouldn't have been an earthquake. There wouldn't have been the shaking. And had they not been in prison, there wouldn't have been an opportunity to interact with the jailer and go baptize the jailer and all of his wives in the name of the Lord, all their children in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope he didn't have many wives, but. But they were they were in a they were in a place challenged, but God turned that into an opportunity to minister to somebody. So I have to say this: God's church, God's church is going to prevail, no matter what happens in the world. I don't care how many people say we're going to take away the liberties of Christians. I don't care how many people are are are, are trying to snuff out the lives of Christians in other parts of the world. Not happening here yet. Maybe too much, but in other parts of the world, it's happening over and over and over. I don't care how many people make that their mission in life is to, you'll never stamp out the church. The church will never be stopped. That's not just my word. He said, upon this rock. He wasn't talking about a little pebble. He wasn't talking about the name of the guy that he was talking to, which happens to mean a little pebble, but... He was talking about the revelation of who he was because he had just asked them, who do, who do people say that I am and, and who do you say that I am? And he said, upon this rock, I will build, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, you know where the gates of hell, that's where the authorities of hell sit. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, my church. I'm going to build a church. So the rock-solid answer to all of the challenges of life has to be I belong to Jesus I'm sold out to truth I'm going to build on the right foundation I'm going to follow after God's plan everybody say God's plan I think Paul summed it up again when he said these words of real strong admonition found in Romans 12 too he said and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God or plan of God, that you may prove what that perfect plan of God is. The Amplified Version goes a little further and says, and don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind are focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is that that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. 
That's the amplified version. So just so we're on, on the same page here in our thinking, the word conform means to become like in nature, to become like something. He said, don't be conformed to this world. Don't become like the world. The word transform means to change in condition or nature or character. That's what happens at the altar. When you repent of your sins and you go down the, in, the, in the water grave in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, you come up a new individual. You're a new person. You, you rise to walk in newness of life is the way the scripture says it. And so you're transformed. That means you're, 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 taking, your, you're taking your life and you put it into, the, into the, 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 the hopper of God's plan for your life and you do the simple things that he says to do, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, your life begins to change. And, and as a result of that, you have what you have here today. Life after life after life. Did I hear you say that you weren't born in this? But you came into this because Sanctuary Church was here. That's what I'm talking about. Now here you are up here speaking into the lives of young people and pouring into the lives of young people. That's God's plan. That's God's perfect plan. And so Paul is saying, if you really want to pursue God's plan and purpose, you cannot do it if you conform to the world. The only way you can do it is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what I believe? I believe that God is getting ready to send the Spirit across this world that every person who has a real genuine love for God, and there are many of them out there that are not yet in the apostolic church, every person who has a genuine love for God and every person who has a genuine fear of God or respect for God, I believe God's going to give them a renewing in their mind. And as a result of the renewing in their mind, there's going to be clarity of thought and there's going to be clarity of ideas about what the, what the Bible says about Christianity, and, and I believe that they're going to come running towards somebody who can lead them and guide them and tell them what they need to know. So let, let, me, let me just share something. We, at a recent, I, I have the privilege, it's a, you, it's a wonderful privilege. I never dreamed I would be there, but, but even after I was no longer district superintendent, I was appointed I was given an honorary appointment to the General Board of the United Pentecostal Church. It's a lifetime appointment. I didn't deserve it. Don't know, don't know exactly how it came about, but it's a lifetime appointment to sit there with those men who uh, represent the leadership of the church around the world. And at, at a recent board meeting, I was in the, the, the leader of our uh, prayer network. The World Network, our prayer coordinator, came in to give her report, and I happened to be sitting on the front row about six or eight feet from where she was standing at the podium to give a report. And historically, she's never come in there and just gave some st statistics and said, here's where we've been, here's what we've done, here's how much money we raised, and here's how much money we spent. It wasn't just a report, the accountability type of report. She always comes in there. And so far, every time she's walked in there, the Lord has given her a word. And I know it was born out of a, a lifetime of prayer. She's a very deeply committed person to prayer, but she I can't tell you how many times she's come in there with just the right thing to say and, and it always a visible demonstration of the Holy Ghost when she did. But she gave her report of the activities and events for the previous year. And then she began to relate some things that happened to her just prior to her coming to meet the board. And here's what she said. 
she, she began, as she was telling the story, she began to tremble and, and tears began to flow down her cheeks. They weren't just in her eyes. I mean, they were literally flowing down the cheeks as she told the story. She said, I was in prayer about this board meeting. And she said, I felt God gave me a word to speak to the general board while I was in here. And these are just men, but they happen to represent leadership around the world. I mean, in foreign countries as well as American, all the superintendents and all the division heads and all the world leaders of the United Pentecostal Church were in there. And, 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 and here's what she said as she wept. She said, when I was praying about this, the Lord gave her a word, and, and she said, I, I, I became fearful. Uh, I can appreciate somebody being fearful, not wanting to ever be in the flesh, not wanting to just say it's me or not wanting to say something because it's just because it's good to say it. But she she meant I was fearful because I was coming in before the leaders, the world leaders. And she said, so I went back to the prayer room and I began to pray earnestly. And she said, I told the Lord, if you want me to say these things to the general board, then you have to give me a significant sign. And now she's just openly weeping. Uh, and she said, I left the prayer room. I, I got in my car, and she said, I was driving down the street, and I felt to turn into a store that I never go to and didn't know why she was going in there this time. But she said, uh, and, and we're all sitting there just in total silence because you can feel when the Spirit of the Lord is in something. And she said, uh, I went into that that room. I went into that store, and she said, when I walked in the door, I was met by a lady that I'd never met before. And the lady walked up to me, and she said, ma'am, uh, you're a Christian. She said, yes, I am. She said, I didn't know why I was coming to this store, the other lady said. I didn't know. I never come into the store. I'm just walking the aisles. I didn't know why I came in here. But she said, when I looked up and saw you coming in the door, all of a sudden I knew why I was here. She said, the Lord told me to come give you this message. Now, you can say what you want to about the Lord saying and the Lord, but I, you know when the Lord's moving in your spirit and when he's directing you. She said, the Lord told me to come over here and tell you that whatever he told you to say, you better say it. So now Sister Shaw is sobbing, she said, because that was the significant sign that I needed to come to this board and say it. And so she said, here's what the Lord told me, and I want to repeat it because I felt it so strongly when you were standing up here today. The Lord said for me to tell the United Pentecostal Church, dream big, for I have big plans for you. I laid my head forward and began to weep, as many of the men in that room did. There was, a, there was a very powerful and distinctive move of the Holy Ghost that swept into that room. We're in there to take care of business. You know how that is, but well, I'm telling you, board meetings need to have the Spirit of the Lord involved in them if any place needs it. But we were in there talking about the work of God around the world, and the Lord sends this handmaiden in there who's a prayer warrior 
with a word that said, dream big, for I'm going to do big things. So the Holy Ghost fell, and there was, the, I'm, I'm telling you, we, the, the, the whole general board was, just broke out into worship and prayer, and and uh, it just went on and on and on and on, and there was no way that anybody that was at the head table in charge of that meeting, our super, general superintendent and the others that were there, they couldn't, they, there was no way they could, disrupt that or bring back around to let's go to the next item on the agenda there was a move of the holy ghost in that general boardroom and 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 as it is in a church service so many times when the spirit of the lord moves then it sort of quietens down and it's just a it's just a a almost a deafening silence and nobody's everybody seems to be afraid to speak and and that that spirit swept into there. No nobody was saying a word. We were just wiping tears, and and all of a sudden, one of the elders stood up with his Bible in his hand, and as if a special anointing came over him, no microphone, just a special anointing came over him. He began to read out of Revelation three eight. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. The door is open, he was saying, for you to dream big and see big things happen. I could tell you uh, many things that I know are are happening presently that, to me, are indicative that God is moving forward with his plan and perhaps even putting it into hyper mode, expediting it in light of the many things that are happening in our world today. Large groups of people, I'm talking about, I'm talking about not tens or dozens, I'm talking about hundreds and thousands large groups of people are turning their hearts to the Lord and seeking his will and plan in their lives. You know why they're doing that? Because they're not seeing any hope anywhere else. They're not seeing any evidence of hope anywhere else. So they're turning toward, I mean, just in this, this last few days, I've, I've seen some noted celebrities that, that have faced near-death situations that said they you could not doubt that God was involved in it, and I, I've become a believer as a result of it. Well, that might not be exciting to, to many because, you know, sometimes we hear of jailhouse religion and, and, and deathbed repentance and that type of thing, and I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm just saying that, that everybody that says I've made up my mind, I'm going to do it, doesn't always do it. But right now there's some large groups of people that are turning their hearts and seeking the will of God. I was, I was just in a meeting in another state uh, there on some uh, church business, and one of the younger men, ministers that were there related to me that a very large church in one of our mega cities in the United States started holding some prayer sessions. Very large uh, church, not an apostolic church, began to hold some prayer meetings, and because... Some of the members were hungry for something deeper in God. And much to their surprise, in that meeting, 
God started pouring out the Holy Ghost until there were more people wanting to come to that little side prayer meeting than there were to some of the other things that were going on in church because so many people were hearing of what was happening in that prayer meeting. You know what happens? When people make up their mind they're going to seek God, God's going to show up. He's going to do some things in their midst. And so as a result of it, uh, many people had already received the Holy Ghost to, to a point that it was becoming church-wide. I was in uh, 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 another one of the ministers who were there said that, that uh, uh, well, well I'm, I'll tell you that in just a minute, but uh, I, I'm, I'm saying that to say God's already doing some big things. We have people in the United Nations every week. You probably heard about that. Holding Bible studies and laying hands on world leaders. And healings are taking place. And so much so, I heard the man who's there, I heard the man who went there, he didn't live near the United Nations. He drove a long way to go there, as a matter of fact. But I heard him say that some of the world leaders were coming and saying, if I bring a certain member of my family here to New York, would you lay hands on them and pray for them because they have this disease or that disease? They need a miracle in their life. And so as a result of it, from other parts of the world, people were being flown to the United Nations building, not because of uh, the flags that were flying outside or the meetings that were going on inside that were of, 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 of relating to government, but because of what was happening when that preacher was going in there holding Bible studies and praying for people. And notable miracles, notable miracles, and people receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in the United Nations building as a result of one man who believed that he should dream big and go do the things that God wanted to do that were big in nature. I'll tell you what he said, and I heard him say it, that, that, that that's a highly secure area because these world leaders are there. And they they had given him limited access to go in where he could he could hold these Bible studies and, and do these prayer meetings. He even had Lee Stone King come there and pray over some people and some others who went in there to pray over some people. But they came to this man and said, we are so impressed by what's happening and we're so much in awe of what's happening. They gave him a security pass that allowed him to go in any room in the United Nations wow. building that he wanted to go to. Only God could work that out. Only God could work that out. One of my friends who pastors in the, in, in the D.C. area is having weekly Bible studies in the White House. Well, there's a place where they need them. <laughs> in fact, it wouldn't hurt to have daily Bible studies and prayer meetings of great magnitude. But they're holding Bible studies in, in the White House on a weekly basis. Well, I happen to know this guy. And he's not there just to have somebody pat him on the back because he's got access to the White House to teach a Bible study because he started his ministry out when he was a, a yeoman in the, in the Navy and he wasn't a preacher, but he lined up seven of his friends on the deck of the, the ship that he was out on and, and said, God's going to give you the Holy Ghost. And all seven of them got the Holy Ghost. And he wasn't even a preacher. Now he's up in that area, and, 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 and he's going into the White House every day. Uh, he's got a member in his church. That, that happens to have a law degree, and uh, uh, the, he heads up their high, who's the hyphen leader here, brother? I, 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 right back there, Brother Snow. They asked this, this attorney in the church if he wanted to, they, they, surely there's some other things we can have you do. He said, no, I'm happy what I'm doing. It's a, it's a very vital place 
because you're working with the hearts and minds of young people that can make a difference in the world. He said, I, I'm happy with what I do, and I don't, I don't want any other position. I want to stay right where. Well, you know what he does on his day job? He's a clerk in the Supreme Court of the United States. He goes every day to the Supreme Court building when it's in session as a clerk. But he's a Holy Ghost-filled attorney who leads a hyphen group in one of our churches. So God is already doing big things. Another pastor in, uh, just told me just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that a man came into his assembly. He happens to pastor in California, but a man walked into his assembly with a check, unexpected check, in excess of $1 million unexpectedly. You're getting ready to go into the building fund, building program. That would be a nice asset to your building fund, wouldn't it, Brother O'Connell? Somebody come in and say, I've got an extra million laying around here, and I want to put it somewhere where to go to. Well, there are people... There are people out there that I believe God will use in a great way to help accomplish the big things that he wants to do on this earth. I just got a, a message from another uh, minister friend in California asking us to pray for him because he was going to meet a church official of a large denominal church valued at over $1.4 million that he wanted to give to one of our pastors to start a home missions church. I can tell you probably a dozen or more stories about things just like that have happened because out yonder where people don't feel God and people don't have the power of God at work, many people are losing their interest in going to those big churches and there are many buildings sitting out there locked up and they're and 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 they're not being used and i know of, i know of at least six or eight just in the last couple of years that have been handed to the united pentecostal church to to help the church grow without having to go build or buy a building i say that's a big thing so, God, thank you. Thank you for doing big things. Just this morning, Brother O'Connell, I, I received a tweet from somebody that I follow on Twitter. And uh, it's, not my, it's not my normal nature to... to to bring things like this into what I'm trying to preach about, but this just resonated with me so much because in this tweet message, Twitter message, here's what they said. They said, four years ago, God gave me a vision of hundreds of prophets in a cave eagerly looking at the opening God spoke to me and said that he would release them at the appointed time to minister to kings presidents and religious leaders calling them to repentance I feel God saying it's time I couldn't turn away from that because I knew what was stirring in my spirit about God wanting to do big things and that God has a plan to do some big things. And there may be more than 400 
prophets sitting out there feeling like they're in a dungeon or a cave that's saying, God, there's got to be more than this in the church. There's got to be more than just program. There's got to be more than just structure. There's got to be something that's because this is a God thing, and there's got to be something that, that relates to the, to the power of God. And there, it's going to take a supernatural work of the power of God to, to do what needs to be done in this world. And, and, and that God is sweeping across this, this world. He's sweeping across this world with a spirit that wants to set those men free to go out and start proclaiming the kingdom and proclaiming the gospel and baptizing people in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. They might not come to Sanctuary Church. They might not come to the Pentecostal Church in Fort Smith. They might not come to other Pentecostal churches. But if they're baptized in the name of Jesus, they've received the power of the Holy Ghost, they're walking in newness of life, they're, they're becoming apostolic in their nature and their idea. I don't care what they call themselves. Is that all right for me to say that? I don't care what they call themselves. So he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I was happy to be sitting there when I heard the report and I saw the map. It's, it's a restricted map. It's not available on social media. A restricted map of every, we are now, we now have a missionary in every country of the world except for 17 restricted countries where no missionaries allowed to come in their borders. I heard, met, received, was impacted by one who's in a restricted company, country who we could not, they told us, you cannot take a picture, you cannot post it on social media, you cannot, because his family would be in danger. I heard him tell the stories of riding in the back of a pickup truck with people shooting weapons all around him and telling the story about one of their natives who was an apostolic person in that country who was so, who was so oppressed by the by this powers of darkness that head up that country that they, they took the teenage boy of this of this couple and and took his life and brought his lifeless body and laid it on the doorstep of the home where they live. That's how ruthless some people are in the world when it comes to Christianity. But if God said go into all the world, there are people who without fear of their own safety, without fear of their own life, will take this gospel across the borders into those restricted countries because God said this gospel was going to be preached in every nation of the world. God has a plan. I've, I've, I've come to this place in my own personal devotion to the Lord to realize that I didn't deserve even the opportunity to serve God. I didn't deserve the opportunity to serve as a minister of the gospel and a pastor. I didn't deserve any of the positions that I've been afforded the opportunity to try to fill. I didn't deserve any of that. So I've made it a practice. I don't believe there's a day goes by it hasn't or many months or years that I don't 
personally express my gratitude to God for truth. And that he gave me understanding of truth. That he gave me the privilege not only to know him and to serve him, and to, but he gave me the privilege to represent him and, and to be appointed an ambassador of hope and goodwill to a desperate world sent by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to speak what he would say and know that when it's spoken in faith that he will honor it and he'll back it up. I thank him for grace that he brought to me in abundant measure. I thank him for mercy that had it not been for that mercy, I would still be wandering out there in darkness like so many people in the world. But he showed his mercy and he brought me to a place where I could repent of my sins and be filled with his spirit. And I thank him for his love that is shed abroad in my heart. I do that every day. That's not just a ritual I go through, but I made up my mind. I'm not going to take lightly what God has done in my life and what he's afforded to me and my family. And when you think about it, I had the privilege of baptizing my own mother and father and two of my sisters and, and, and one of my brothers-in-law and see them receive the Holy Ghost and pastor them for many, many years and, and to baptize every one of my children and my grandchildren in the precious name of Jesus and see them going on with their lives the way they are, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but still a work in progress and still a grace project in many instances, but yet God's still in their lives and God's still working in their lives. And I don't want to take that for granted because that's part of God's plan for everybody that he brings into the church. I'm on a personal quest. I, I, I know I've got a lot of years behind me. I know that, but I don't. God's not through yet. I mean, he's still working on me, so I know he's not through yet, but I, I, I'm on a quest to see God's plan fulfilled in the world, my world, wherever I go, and, and, and to know that it has been, I know that it has to be fulfilled in me if I'm going to make any kind of a significant influence in the world. I'm going to make one more statement that I feel like is very important for us to know, and then I'm going to do my best to close this out. I believe that God has a, in his plan, I believe he's doing this in his plan as a part of his plan. I believe he's taking from in the church influencers and strategically placing them in the marketplace, in the United Nations building, in the Supreme Court building, in the White House, in the courthouse, in places of business, in corporations, in local governments, in local settings, schools, placing influencers in the marketplace, strategically placing them. I'm gonna put you right here because you can influence the influencers and when you influence the influencers, you don't know how many people are going to be impacted by the influencer who, who comes to know God. Can I just tell you one, one short story before the musicians come and I close? I had the privilege of, of meeting a man at his, at his graduation 
where he was graduating from uh, college, getting his master's degree. And I had the privilege, they asked me to come pray at that, that meeting, and I got a chance to meet him one-on-one. He was a, he was a, uh, uh, he was a, a official in a big steel company and actually operated a steel plant in our city. And so I had, I, I just got an opportunity to meet him and little by little, uh, God took a little lady that was a part of our church. Uh, she didn't have, she didn't have what you'd call a, a real, uh, white collar job. She was a domestic worker. She cleaned houses for a living. That's that, I'm going to tell you something. If you if you're in that category and you feel like I'm a nobody, I'm gonna I want to help you change your thinking. Because God didn't make a nobody. If He's got you doing what you're doing, it's because you're the influencer that's moving into some people's homes and people's lives with an opportunity to carry the spirit of the Lord in where they live. And this little handmaiden was cleaning the home of this man that I just met. Except when she'd go, she'd take, this was this is a while back because it was, they, they still use cassette tapes. She would take her cassette player and when she'd get in the house, she'd set up her cassette player and she'd play music from the church. And all the time she's working, that music's going on until the man's wife got stirred up and she started coming to ladies' prayer groups and she started coming to some of the meetings and she got in a Bible study and God gave her a revelation and she was baptized and got the Holy Ghost. Her husband was another story. He did come to church, but he sat way up in the balcony, about as far as you could get, hopes that you didn't have any binoculars strong enough to see him up there because he was in he was in hiding. He was coming to church, no doubt, to make his wife happy. But she kept on because she's an influencer. And she got her husband into this Bible study. And one night about 10 o'clock, <clears throat> man from our church called me and he said, Pastor, you got time for a baptism tonight? I said, I knew who he was teaching. I said, I do. He said, can you meet us at church? I met the church and John had his whole family. He'd, got, he'd called his whole family. They were in that Bible study that night. And John was sitting in the and Bible study. teacher was sitting in the floor with her Bible study chart. And her husband was sitting there. Her, his wife was sitting there by him. And all of a sudden, when she was teaching out of that Bible study, he hid himself like this and said, I see it, I see it, I see it. I got to be baptized. Tears started coming out of his eyes. I looked up at him just before he walked down into the water, and he was weeping. He said, Brother Thomas, I just want God to use me some way. So we baptized him, and we were standing in the middle aisle of the church. He said, I had everything that I ever thought I'd want. I had more money than I ever thought I'd make. I had a good position. He said, but I was so empty. He said, I got into fitness and I started, he said, well, I tried alcohol. He said, I didn't find anything in alcohol that would help me. So I got into physical fitness and he said, I was running, I was riding bicycles, I was going to the gym every day and I was getting really physically fit. He said, but I was still empty. 
He said, I didn't know what I was going to do. He said, I was so empty. He said, in fact, if you would have, if you would have taken your fist and hit me right here, it would be like pounding on the top of an empty 55-gallon drum. I was so empty until tonight when I was baptized. He got the Holy Ghost. He didn't, he didn't want to be up front much, because, but, but he did want to be involved in our jail ministry. And so he started going to the jail. It wasn't long until he was going to the juvenile center as well as the adult center. He was taking the juveniles in, in that center and telling them, you don't have to end up your life like this. You don't have to do this. If you will call me when you get out of here, I'll take you out to the plant that I run, and I'll take you for a personal tour, and when you get old enough, I'll give you a job out there where you can make a good living. Influencer. The judge called him in and said, John, we see what's happening in the jail. We see these young people that are flocking around you when you come in there. And he said, every time you go in there, people being baptized and people being changed. He, he made contact with some people that had connections overseas that hadn't had contact with their family in over two years. But he took the time and made the effort to go find that family and get them reconnected with the son that they just baptized in the jail. At last count, uh, I say this with sorrow and grief because John now has advanced stages of Alzheimer's. But at last count, over 5,000 people had been baptized in Jesus' name with many of them, not all of them, but many of them receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost because somebody was willing to say, I just want to be used of God. And the judge was, the judge was saying, what are you doing, John? What are you doing? And he, and he had an opportunity. He was witnessing the CEOs. He was witnessing to, witnessing to community officials, people that we would never have an opportunity. God is doing big things. And so I'm asking God to help me be what he plans for me to be. I'm asking him to help me do what he plans for me to do. I'm asking him to help me to have what he plans for me to have. And so in closing, I say this as the musicians come. There's no vacation from being a real Christian. There's no retirement from being a real Christian. I'm finding more opportunities to witness to people today than I ever have in my life. I'm, I'm finding more opportunities to talk heart to heart with people that I know are going through struggles in their life than I ever have. There's no retirement from faithfulness or dedication our commitment we have to have a razor like focus on our true purpose in life and ever so often we have to ask ourselves the question my dear sir what on earth am I here for it's not just to go through the years and see what I can accumulate and see what I can mass see what I can wear what I can drive what am I here for? I have to consider that maybe 
if we genuinely, sincerely ask that question, that the answer might be to be what I plan for you to be, to do what I plan for you to do, and to have what God's plan is for us and help others find it as well. That, my dear brothers and sisters, must be what drives our vision to reach our world through every means possible, locally, across the street, where we shop, where we work. That's the marketplace. That's where the revival's coming. They'll come to church eventually, but we got to reach them out there. we got to impact them out there because God has a plan for the world to come to repentance. He has the a plan for the church to be the training grounds and the worship center, the trauma centers where hurting people can come and get their wounds healed and, and get their lives put back together. And he has a specific plan for every one of you young people. He has a specific plan for you. Brother and Sister O'Connell, you did not come to Jonesboro, Arkansas by accident. You came here on a mission sent by God. I know that for a fact. Because God has a plan that he's involving you in. And he knew that this community deserved what's happening here right now in this place. He knew there were some people here that loved and feared God that needed that kind of love and that kind of leadership. And so I thank you for coming. I thank you for answering the call. And I want to tell you, don't be afraid. Don't hesitate to dream big. And don't hesitate to stand up before the people you lead and say we have a big job in front of us but we have a big God behind us and if God's in it it's all going to come together would you stand with me today I'm sorry I know I've gone over I, 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 I took my glasses off I don't even know what time it is but I'm sorry I took so long but I'm not sorry I said what I said you got a wonderful past. It doesn't just go to eight and a half years ago. It goes many, many years beyond that. But as I look ahead and I say, if God tarries his coming, you got a much brighter future than anything you'll ever see in your past. There had to be a beginning. There had to be a first step. There had to be following subsequent steps. But what's going to come going forward is going to be leaps and bounds because when this spirit sweeps across the face of the earth, people are going to come hungry saying to you, I've been watching where you live. I've been watching the way you live. I've been watching you at work. I, I see something in you that I don't see in everybody else. And you come in on Mondays and you got a glow about you. What is it? Is it something you're drinking or eating on weekends? Is it something you're doing on weekends? Say, yes, it is. I am privileged to be a part of God's plan. And when I go back and get reminded of what his plan is, it just lights me up because I know I have the privilege to be a part of it. 
Would you reach your hand up today and say, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to have what you want me to have and help me to use my life for your good. I pray in the wonderful name.